Welcome to Smart in the City, the Babel podcast where we bring together top actors in the smart city arena, sparking dialogues and interactions around the stakeholders and themes most prevalent for today's citizens and tomorrow's generations. I am your host, Hamlin Shimizu, and I hope that you will enjoy this episode and gain knowledge and connections to drive the change for a better urban life. Smart in the City is brought to you by Babel Smart Cities. We enable processes from research and strategy development to co-creation and implementation. To learn more about us, please visit the Babel platform at babel-smartcities.eu. So a short intermission to tell you about the Autonomy Mobility World Expo. It's the world's largest annual gathering of international sustainable urban mobility stakeholders, welcoming 200 plus exhibitors, 300 plus speakers, 8,000 plus participants every year in March. Uh, yeah, some activities. There's a startup village, city hub, two conference programs, test tracks, demos, B2B and B2G meetings, startup challenge and innovation award ceremony. It will take place on the 22nd through the 23rd of March in Paris. And I will be there and I'm looking forward to it and hope to see you there. So we can never go uh, yeah, too long without talking about transport and mobility on a Smart Cities podcast. Um, and today we want to dive into that topic um, from a, a small German city slash town perspective. Um, so let's go to Bavaria, Germany. Um, while I'm sure you all have images of Munich um, in your head, we want to explore a bit of a smaller place, just 32 kilometers west of Munich. So here to introduce the place and give all of her insights is Montserrat Miramontes. Um, she is the transport planner and in charge of mobility management at the city of Fürstenfeldbruck in Bavaria, Germany. So welcome onto the podcast. Hi, Tamling. I'm really glad to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, anytime. We're already talking about how you have to come um, to Stuttgart next time in uh, for the second episode. So, um, uh, yeah, you know, I'm excited to talk to you today about it, but I'm sure we can always dig into even more with you. So, yeah, thank you so much. I will be really, really glad to <laughs> visit you. <laughs> yeah, we can come that, there too. You know, I, I always take an excuse to come to, to Bavaria in Munich. So you are always very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So we um, we always start off the the episode with a bit of a teaser, um, and we haven't done this one in a while, and it's one of my favorites. Um, so it is: if Fürstenfeldbruck were an animal, which animal would it be? I was hearing that question, <laughs> and I didn't prepare for it. That's okay. It doesn't. Um, it, it's not a question that needs preparation. It's just um, your first instinct kind of question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's difficult. Would it be a land animal or an ocean animal? It would be an animal that is next to a river because mm -hmm. we have a river across yeah. the city. Yeah. Maybe it would be a beaver. A beaver. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> in, any other reason besides that it's on the river? No, right now, not really. I know that they build dams. That yeah, I'm not sure this is what the city does. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they're very they're very clever in, in gathering the resources and building what they need on the river, right? Well, that uh, then it it really works. <laughs> okay. 
perfect. I love it. I've never gotten beaver before. So it's a very original answer and I love it. So um, good. So you've obviously listened to other uh, episodes where I've asked that question. <laughs> I did. I did. And well, I was fearing that question. Well, well it wasn't too bad. Until though, right? I found something. Yeah, no, it's good. It's a good start. Oh, good. Um, so, uh, Mansarat, so could you maybe start um, by explaining to us what do you do? And also a little bit about your background is always really interesting to know more about you and where you came from. Sure, sure. I'm really happy to have this opportunity. <clears throat> well, um, first of all, I am Mexican. I think that's uh, an important part of the background. I came to Germany like 15 years ago to study a master's degree in environmental engineering. And there I got really interested in urban development and sustainable urban development. And then the, my, my career took me on the way to mobility specifically. I had the opportunity to work in Washington, D.C. for an NGO, which um, uh, gives advice to cities on how to reduce air pollution specifically uh, Latin American city. It was Latin American cities. It is called the Air Cleaner Institute. And then I, I came back to Germany. Um, then I was uh, studying in the university, uh, Technical University of Munich. I was teaching there on emissions from transport and how to reduce emissions from transport. And finally, I did my PhD. Um, that was related to the concept of sustainable urban mobility and how mobility stations or multimodal stations can contribute to that concept. And well, after that, I started to work for the city of Furstenfeldbruck, where I do the, I'm, I'm in charge of transport planning strategically and also on mobility management. And I really like this job because it, it has two very important parts, which is the transport planning itself, which is very related to infrastructure and services, like we have to design streets or redesign the streets or together with a colleague, we also um, design cycling infrastructure, not only the cycleways, but also where the bikes should um, um, be placed after their, mm -hmm. when they are not in use. And then uh, the part of mobility management is more about communication. So we try to do campaigns, information campaigns, um, all kind of communication so we can convince citizens to use alternatives to car. So this is the main aspect of this mobility management is to show people which other alternatives they have, such as public transport or cycling or sharing services. And well, this is pretty much um, a summary of what I do. Yeah, yeah, super interesting background as well. Um, and is it, that's hard to do in southern Germany, right? It's convince people uh, to not use their cars. Um, do you do you find that as a big challenge? Uh, well, yes, it is. Uh, we have I I perceive that we have like two parts of the population: the ones that are really, really wanting to use bikes and are really extreme and I really focus on the environment and they really want to change things. And the others that are more like they love their cars, like yeah. people say Germans love their cars. And of course we have the car industry specifically, not only in Germany, but also in Bavaria. 
So that makes it really difficult because um, the lobby is really strong. And so any measure that is against the car has uh, a political problem. So yeah. we, we really need to be very clever if we really want to change mobility patterns. Mm -hmm. And that applies as well to the city of Fürstenfeldbruck, also because it's less urban. It is urban, of course, but it's less urban than Munich, where you have like uh, Metro, S-Bahn, all kind of uh, bus services, also sharing services, we, which we don't have yet in Fürstenfeldbruck. So it's really hard to offer something else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sounds so. Um, so maybe to start off with your definition, like what exactly is sustainable mobility to you? Um, like what does that mean? Yeah, well, thank you for asking that question because it's something that uh, I really like to talk about. This is something that was part of my dissertation, as I told you. Um, I had the task to evaluate the impacts of mobility stations. I can talk also later about that on the concept of sustainable urban mobility. And for that, I had to define that. So, of course, I look at a, a lot of definitions from other scientists or from other organizations, but also we probably all know the very well-known definition of sustainable development from the Brundtland Commission. And based on that, I came to the definition of sustainable mobility as a result of a transport system that allows goods to be delivered and all people to fulfill their needs in a way that the resources needed for this are not depleted, allow, allowing future generations to do the same. So as you see, it's, it's very based on the Brundtland definition of sustainable development. And well, with that, I, I mean, for fulfilling the needs, we need to reach a lot of places like uh our workplace, uh, our university, our school. So any place where we can get uh, the things we need for a daily, for our daily life, like shops, uh, leisure, meeting other people. And to reach these places, we also need mobility services. So this is something that we should provide to have sustainable mobility. But at the same time, we need to reduce the resources that we consume by doing this mobility. And maybe you can imagine some of them. For Of course, we need space to move. We need uh, energy. We need time and we, ne we need money. So if we can reduce these resources, maybe we can reduce also many other resources that we consume on the way. So I hope this... Those are some big factors, right? Time, money, energy. Um, that This seems like a big challenge. Um, maybe you can also speak to some of the other main challenges you see when planning and implementing such like a transport development plan in a city like um, Fürstenfeldbruck. Well, the challenges is, of course, to find an equilibrium. Like, first of all, we need to know what do we want? That was a very important task that we had to do when we when we were doing our transport development plan. It is done like it was um, decided like um, one year ago. Well, it was November twenty twenty one, and for that we took it took us like almost four years uh, to do all the process of collecting information, but also asking the politicians, but also the the citizens what they want. 
And through this process, it was a participation process and working with a lot of uh, interest groups, we defined 10 big goals, like main goals that we wanted to follow. And of course, the challenge was to find some balance between different interests. As if we talk about the cars, for example, many wanted to reduce uh, the cars or the car use and others were not really looking forward to that. So finding an, a balance was one of the main challenges in defining these goals. And of course, after that, what we needed to know is like, okay, how do we reach these goals? And for that, there were a lot, a lot of ideas that we had to process and analyze. Is this really possible? Can we really pay for this? Um, is this going to be accepted by the population? So we really had to do a, a very thorough analysis of this, all of these ideas and create, um, yeah, a list of projects that we wanted to implement in the next years. And at the same time, we had to prioritize like, okay, we have like 60 measures, 60 projects that we want to implement until 2035. But then where, where should we start? And how do we do this in a strategic way that we kind of, um, can um, do it efficiently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Setting the priorities is always uh, difficult. We've we've seen that also many times in, in making more like smart district roadmaps for municipalities and things like that. Um, it's 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 a lot of talking to a lot of stakeholders and uh, and figuring out the efficiency of of each one and the impact. Right. So yeah, sounds really interesting. Um, we spoke before also about um transport demand measures. I believe. Um, can you explain a bit about them and and how your city uses them? Yeah, sure. Well, we have um, many different channels of communications. We have a website, we have also social media, and we have a monthly report on the on many different issues about the city. Every citizen or every almost every household get one of this um, report. So in that way, we can communicate about um, things that we are doing for mobility. For example, we can, one of the big projects we did was the um, uh, supporting program for biking, for uh, buying ca cargo bikes and other two wheelers like uh, pedelecs, for example. So we communicate um, this through this channel. And one of the other very important events during this year is, or during every year is the uh, European Mobility Week. During that week, we, we have the opportunity to present a lot of different alternatives. We have different events, different actions to, to talk to the citizens, to show them alternatives and other campaigns. Like in Germany, there is one called Stadtraden where we invite people to, to bike um, and collect kilometers. And at the end, there is a winner. All this is the kind of things that we do. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, and I think I also come from this communication perspective as well. Um, so so I love that more. I, I feel like it's it's becoming more and more of a of a process in, in incorporating these communication measures into the work that uh, municipalities do. So glad to hear that. Um, we 
I, you also mentioned previously about mobility hubs. Um, and I think this is one of your special projects you might want to talk about. Or can you can you elaborate on that and, and tell us uh, about your experience there? Sure, sure. Mobility hubs is really, really one of the, my favorite topics because I wrote my dissertation on that. I call them still mobility stations, but the new word is oh, yeah. really Hub. mobility yeah. hubs. This is the new word or it's more spread right now. Mm -hmm. And well, these are nodes or intersections or places where you can find a lot of different options for your mobility, such as, first of all, well, often there is like a public transport stop either like a metro station or a bus stop or similar. And in addition to that, there is always a sharing option like bike sharing or car sharing, or now we have a scooter sharing. So anything with sharing is probably there. And the idea of this is like to first to give you the opportunity to continue your trip after you, for example, um, step out of the bus and you want to reach a place that might not be too close to walk. So you can find this alternative, like you can take the scooter or you can take a bike. And the other idea of that is to provide for multimodal mobility so that you can choose which mode of transport is more adequate for the purpose of your trip. So it depends on the distance. It depends on what you're going to do, if you're going to carry things, if you're going to with other people. In that case, maybe you will need a car to carry something somewhere. So in that case, you can have a better option or a better choice. What is for that purpose, for that trip, more efficient? So, yeah. And we are in Fürstenfallbruck. We don't have there uh, any mobility station or any mobility hub yet, but we are really working uh, hard to get them since um, like four years. We have been planning them. We have to do some, it's a, a lot of process like um, a tender so we can get the providers of the different options and to plan the stations, like where are the different things, uh, where, where are they going to be placed? And we hope that uh, this year, the first uh, five or 10 mobility stations will, will come. Oh, so wow. we're really this looking year. forward. Yeah, well, we are really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. And, and in that whole process, what do you think are the biggest like bottlenecks or challenges um, that, that other municipalities should maybe watch out for? Well, I think a big issue for us in this case was uh, the tender, tendering process. Specifically for us was probably challenging because we are the first... Um, I don't know about any other example where many different municipalities work together. This project is being coordinated by the district, which is called the Landkreis of Fustenfeldbruck. Mm -hmm. And this includes many other municipalities. And the district is coordinating this project. And I think one of the challenges was to put everyone on one table and to see, are you interested in doing this? Then when, when some municipalities uh, signed up for the project they had to get some political uh, approve approval in their own city councils and well then then from that was also saying where where are gonna be these mobility stations how much are they gonna cost 
Um, that was also a big challenge because we didn't know how uh, we had to use uh, data from other or approximations from other cities. And um, I think that was a big bottleneck, I would say, like to get yeah. through to. And then um, I think that was one of the most challenging parts is to, to get an agreement that the district will do the tendering process for us and for that we all have to sign our our um Bürgermeister. Uh, the, the mayor. <laughs> the mayors mm-hmm. had to sign, okay, we we agree that the district does the tendering process. And well, this this has been the, the big challenge also to to have an agreement on that. Like what do we want for the different mobility services? Ah, okay. But so did you do uh, did you do one tendering process? So you did one tendering process then, or joint procurement, or there are many because we yeah. have different mm-hmm. things to do. For example, mm-hmm. the first one is the planning of the stations, and this has to do by it's going to be done by only one company or a planning company that will be the same for all the municipalities. Then um, the materials that we will need, we also have to do a tender process for that. For example, the um, yeah um, the biking stations. This is another component. And then we have the car sharing, and yeah. So the, for all of these uh, elements, there is one tendering process. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, we we often see different models also with. Um, you know, uh, for example, I was speaking yesterday with um, someone from Harlem in the Netherlands, and they often do a procurement process with Amsterdam. It's kind of a small, small town together with the large city that they that they work together on these type of things. It, it sounds like you did it more within your district, right? Not together with Munich. Well, yes and no. Like we, the city of Munich has already one bike sharing system. And originally we thought we don't need to have a tendering process for that. We can argue that there is already one and we want it to be the same here. And that makes sense. Like it it wouldn't make sense to have two different ones. Yeah. But at the end, it turns out now uh, because of the funding program that we got, they say, no, you have to do a tendering process. So Mm. that was one factor which, um, played against us in the implementation process. But it also gives us an opportunity to find or to to say what we want, which also can make it longer. Yeah. And and another thing with the city of Munich is that we do want to have like an integrated, um, like a corporate design. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The city of Munich is also working on on the implementation of mobility stations. And one, one big, one important element is the um, information column or information thing <laughs> where you can, uh, say, well, what, what, what can you find in this station? What can you, yeah. which services are available? Ah, um, okay. The, the board. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And. For that, there is a lot of communication between the city of Munich and the district. So we can have like a very similar board or the similar corporate design. So everybody understands, okay, this is a mobility station. 
Like when you go to a metro station, you always see in Germany, for example, the U for U-Bahn. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you don't need to think about what is that. So everywhere in Germany is the same sign. Or also for the um, suburban trains is the S for the S-Bahn. Yeah. And that's the idea with the board or the information point to see, okay, I recognize the sign. This is a mobility station. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, really, really interesting. And I'm excited to see what comes out. We might have to do an episode after you have some of them um, running and then and then talk a little bit more about it, because that's also super interesting. Sure, um, I would love to show you some of them. Yeah, yeah. And, and we can come and see them hopefully, too. So yeah. not so far from us. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I just have one other question, because we talked a little bit about communication um, as far as you know, some people have differing opinions, obviously. Some people are um, very keen to say, hey, yeah, let's bicycle more. Some people are saying, um, no, I want to keep my cars. Um, what would you say to like critics basically saying that either the government doesn't do enough um, or that the government is meddling too much, such as like removing cars from streets? Um, what, how do you how do you balance that? Well, um, I think that is self-balance self because we have um, a democracy and yeah. we have a city council, which is, yeah, which uh, people choose. Mm -hmm. So people to be there, some politicians to be there, and they represent the interest of the, the voters, right? Yeah. So um, the city does what we are told, basically. Of course, we have some ideas and we can bring some ideas. But at the end, it has to be decided by the council and has to be approved. So I think we don't do too much of any. Like, of course, we mm -hmm. sometimes we want to reduce the amount of parking spaces at some point, but then there is someone defending them. So we can get a, just a compromise of what we want. No? And the same with communication. I mean, in this case, I don't think we do that much that we should be stopped. Actually, we could do even more. And well, I think that's uh, that the answer to your question. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, yeah. No, it's always interesting to hear the the perspectives on how we can yeah balance different expectations. That some people always will say that the government doesn't do enough, and then some people will always say that you're doing too much. Um, <laughs> so I always think it's yeah, you can never please everyone, right? <laughs> that's right like that's one of the things I had to learn when like working in for the city administration it's like you can never uh, make everyone happy yeah like of course the cyclists the cyclists are super happy when you take some lanes and you create uh, some some sorry some parking spaces and you create a bike lane but then you have the other citizens that are super angry because you took away their parking spaces or or also the people from the shops who believe that the parking spaces are very important for their business. So I had to learn that uh, at the beginning, I was looking on the Facebook groups of the city, like what are the opinions of people? And I gave up because uh, I felt sometimes that people were really frustrating and saying, oh, the city doesn't do anything. They do everything wrong. And that was really hard to read to see, oh, we, we really try, we do our best. And then, well, I just learned when you do good things, it's very rare that someone tells you and that uh, you get like, oh, thank you very much for doing this. But if you do something that might go a little bit wrong, that 
is you get really hard comments and yeah. really loud. So, well, we have to live with that. Yeah, people always leave the bad reviews, right? But uh, don't tend to leave the good reviews as much. So, <laughs> Mostly, mostly. Yeah. I, I did have the experience that I did also get some phone calls from someone to tell me, hey, thank you very much for your work. It's so nice that you oh, that's nice. are providing these services or these ideas. And I almost cried. I was like, oh, thank you very much. I feel so yeah. happy. So show appreciation, <laughs> yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. but this is like rare. What you yeah. get is mostly the complaints. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to uh, now move on to a segment that we have. Um, and it's a segment that we call Shout Out. Shout out. Mention a person, an organization, or a city you think deserves more recognition in the field. So maybe a city that's doing amazing things in mobility that you want to shout out, or maybe a specific person or an organization that you partner with that you want to shout out on the, on the podcast. Do you have someone that comes to mind? Uh, to mention someone or a city that is uh, doing really well? Yeah, showing recognition or appreciation. And we were just talking about appreciation. Now is your chance to, <laughs> to give appreciation to, to someone or some, some organization or a city. I can think right now of the city of Lindau at Bodense. And they mm -hmm. are really working a lot on sustainable mobility. I know the transport planner there, the mobility also, he also does mobility management. He also won a prize for the European Mobility Week. And they are really working very hard on providing and supporting sustainable mobility. They have a cargo bike sharing system. Oh, nice. And well, among many other things that I think is something worth a mention. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, and not too far also um, from us. So it's worth a visit. Oh yeah, yeah. Bodense is always <laughs> is always nice to go to. Also, um, yeah. So now is the question that we ask every single guest, and it is uh, to you: What is a smart city? Um, I also had the opportunity to think about that because I as. I heard that you asked this question. <laughs> you did your homework, yeah. I did my homework, yeah. And I thought a lot about this. I know that smart city is, so, is often linked with, some, with a lot of technology or internet of the things or things like that in many cases. But for me, I thought about the concept and I thought I will link this idea of smart city to the concept of sustainability that we talked at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I think that a city that is so smart also listens and understands its citizens and is able to provide a basic infrastructure for everyone to satisfy their needs. So again, the idea of sustainability. While uh, the resources needed for this are being used with care, in a way, a bit like um, you had a, this topic in your podcast um, with, the, with the idea of circular economy. Mm -hmm. Like these resources are always kept in the circle. That yeah. for me will be a smart city. Very a nice. city. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that definition. Um, well, you know, we've been playing around with this definition a lot using uh, the chat GPT and things along those lines to to hone in. And I actually think that the best um, the best answers, though, still outdo chat GPT um, that I've had on the podcast. So it's always you can definitely hear everyone's varying backgrounds and their answer to that question. So it's it's very interesting. So um, yeah, thank you so much, and also shout out to Voitoy um, for the uh, Circular Economy podcast episode. If you haven't listened to that one, um, make sure you go back and listen to it. It's it's really fun. And I think we should be doing more with um, looking at resources and circular um, topics within smart cities. So um, definitely. Yeah. And with that, that's all she wrote. Um, I really appreciate you coming onto the show, Montserrat. And I love all the different projects and your insights and uh, the way you speak about um, your background that's contributed to your work now. It's it's all really, really valuable. So thank you so much. Thank you very much, Tamlin, for this invitation and this opportunity to, to talk about my work. And I really hope we can meet again and or you can come and we can see the first mobility stations when they are there. Yes, so we can looking have a forward to it. Some, yes, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime. I would love to come. So yeah, thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, don't forget, you can always create a free account on babble-smartcities.eu. Um, you can find out more about smart city projects, solutions, implementations, and more. So um, thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you at the next stop on the journey to a better urban life.